0: around in the background yeah.
1: let us pray eternal god our father we are so grateful for another opportunity to gather yes. together around your word and to study to show ourselves approved work men and women that needed not to be ashamed rightfully dividing the word of truth we thank you lord that we shall know the truth and the mm-hmm. truth shall make us free and set us free from every entanglement, every bondage. We thank you, Lord, for liberation, for salvation, for saving us from a miserable life of sin and giving us a mind to study and a desire to serve you. We ask that you bless all those who hear and participate today. We ask that you will continue to let your perfect will be done in us and through us as we study to show ourselves approve, and we give you glory. In Jesus' name, we ask it and we pray. Amen and amen. 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 Well, we've been talking about one of the most important subjects in the Bible, and that is the subject concerning salvation. And the last time we were together, we talked about some of the evidences of salvation, and we asked the question, why should God allow us to enter into his heaven? And the Bible gives us the answer to that question in St. John chapter 3, verse 3, where it says, Except a man is born again, he cannot see or enter into the kingdom of heaven. So the only way to get into heaven is through the door, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus said in St. John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. So there is no other option, no other alternative. there is no other door, no other way to be saved but through the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. We're going to be using several terms today and we don't want anyone to be confused and so there are many terms, biblical terms for salvation and they are used quite often by a lot of people. And a lot of times we use terms or words and really don't know the true meaning or significance of them. So I just want to share a few with them with you this morning when we talk about salvation we use terms, and all of these terms and words are synonymous, they're all the same, so we don't want anyone to become confused if we use one or exchange one for another. So the terms are these, born again, converted, saved, justified, saint, believer, Christian, All of these terms are synonymous. And so therefore, we'll be using them interchangeably throughout our study. And so instead of saying Christian, I might say believer, or I might say converted. And that word converted is very interesting. It just simply means to turn to God and embrace Him and turn away from the things of the world. So some Christians will say, I've been converted or I've been born again, or I've been saved. All of these terms are synonymous. But like I said earlier, we'll be using them interchangeably. Uh, So we talked about the evidences of salvation and we covered about two or three of them. And I just want to um, cover just them very briefly and bring us up to speed. Uh, The first evidence that we talked about in our previous Bible study Was that you will trust Jesus Christ and Him alone for salvation. So that simply means that there's no other name, no other person whereby we can be saved, but by the Lord Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross. And we're trusting in Him alone. And the reason why it's important for us to understand that, because there are so many people who are attending churches that are trusting for salvation and everything but Jesus. Uh, I was uh, witnessing to a gentleman and I asked him if he was a Christian and he said he was a Catholic. Then I talked to another person, I say, are you a Christian? They say I'm a Baptist. I was born a Baptist. And so people will say things like that when they don't know. They'll say, I'm a Methodist, I'm Catholic, I'm Pentecostal. Those are only denominations that are founded by men. So just because a person is a Baptist or a Catholic or a Methodist or a Pentecostal does not make them a Christian. They have just joined a denomination by shaking the preacher's hand, by receiving a prayer, by being baptized. By being sprinkled, and they walk around thinking that they're on the way to heaven, and that they're Christians, that they're saved, and all they have is religion. But isn't that
2: under the umbrella? Isn't that under the umbrella of Catholicism?
1: Well, Catholicism is a denomination, just like the Baptists is a denomination. The Pentecostals are, a deni- and they were all founded by men.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm. So they then, all
1: have their different beliefs. And many it, of us have come out of these kinds of religions. Mm-hmm. I was born a Baptist, and they told you, you're born a Baptist, you die a Baptist. Ah. But I was a Baptist on my way to hell.
0: Mm-hmm. Because and then I church, wasn't
1: born again.
0: Yeah. I was just and,
1: a member of a church under the title of a Baptist. And mm-hmm. I didn't know any better. Until I begin to study the scriptures.
0: Right. So there are it a lot
1: of people who are under the impression or the delusion that because they've joined a church or they paid tithes or shake the preacher's hand or got water baptized, hmm. or they're in one of these denominational churches, that they're automatically born again.
0: Yeah, but then too, if you well, from what I know, <laughs> um, to be born again, some people believe that if you're not water baptized, you're not born again. See? You know, it, it, they, they say, yeah, you have to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and do go through that sinuous, sinuous, sinner's prayer. But if you're not baptized along with it, you're not considered completely. <laughs> you know what I mean? It comes completely like they're water, putting it as a package.
1: Uh, yeah, a package deal. Right. You know, so um, water baptism doesn't save us. No. The purpose of the water baptism is only identifying us with Christ through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And it is a public testimony to the whole world that we've mm-hmm. taken off the old man, the deeds of the old man, and put on the new man and accept no. Christ as our Lord and Savior. So at mm-hmm. our baptismal services, we invite our family and friends to come and be a public witness that our lives have been changed, and we have been born again. So salvation comes before water baptism. As we study the book of Acts, they were always saved, born again first, and then water baptism. So water baptism is very important. It's a public testimony that we identify with Christ, and we are converted, or we turn to God, but water baptism doesn't save us. Hmm. So there are a lot of people who say, well, I've been baptized in Jesus' name. Well, that's wonderful. But just being baptized in Jesus' name or the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost doesn't save you until you first repent of your sins, acknowledge your sins, and turn from your sins and accept the finished work of Christ on the cross by receiving Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Then you become born again. Then the next step is water baptism. So Mm -hmm. in my church growing up, as soon as you turn 12, they baptize you in water. I I wasn't a Christian. I wasn't born again. So I went down a dry devil and came up a wet devil, a child of the devil.
0: Yeah,
1: mm. yeah. So so we don't criticize, you know, many, many <clears throat> times there are churches that, you know, their intentions are well and they mean well, but again, ignorance is no excuse. When it comes to salvation, we need to know that we know that we know without a shadow of a doubt mm-hmm. that we have been changed, we have been born again. And again the incumbency the burden is really on those who are teachers in the church beginning with the pastor and those who are under his leadership people need to be taught and mm. instead of just being entertained on Sunday morning mm-hmm. Any questions
2: So you're so when are you a true Christian is it it has nothing to do with the denomination that you belong to i mean it's you're saying when you when you reach salvation then you are a christian at that time okay or?
1: so so the first step is becoming a christian yeah then we want to join a local church and receive the right hand of fellowship in the membership of the family of that church, that local body. But what happens a lot of times? People join the church, and some sometimes get saved after that, or never get saved. So really, one of the prerequisites of church membership should be being born again first and becoming a Christian.
0: Born again. Mm hmm. That's when they become a Christian. But see, people
1: have parents who were in church, and they were born in the church, and they got christened or dedicated as a baby. Then they got water baptized maybe at 12 or had some ceremony, mm-hmm. and no one ever took the time to lead them to Christ, to mm-hmm. repent of their sins, to turn from the ways of the world. No one took the time to explain anything to them. So in their mind, they say, well, I did what was required of me by my church, so I'm good. Oh, are you good? Mm. I mean, it's it's, it's nice to think that you're okay, but you need to know because can you imagine what it would be like thinking you're saved Mm. and then Mm. dying and waking up in hell in flames? Well, you know, nobody told me, well, we have a responsibility to know for ourselves, and that's why this study this morning is so very important, so very important, because our eternal destiny depends on the knowledge and understanding that we're really born-again Christians and that our lives have been changed. Any questions?
3: Right, right.
1: So we talked about our last time, our last Bible study, that you will trust in Jesus Christ alone. That's one evidence. And then the next evidence is, or the second one, is growing, a growing hatred towards sin. And we talked about that pretty extensively in our last Bible study. So the Bible does not ignore the existence of a sinful nature in the life of a believer. And this is a very, very important point because there are many who have all kinds of teachings about what it means to be saved and what it does not mean to be saved. So we talked about, again, the marks of a believer. We studied that the last time we were together. The The hand hand of God is is on a believer. That's right. The hand of God is upon your life as a believer.
3: Right.
1: God is working in the believer to conform him to the image of Jesus Christ. Of
2: Christ. Yep. Mm -hmm.
1: And so when we become a believer, the sins that we once loved, we now hate. That's a very important point. When a person becomes converted, born again, saved, a Christian... The sins that they once loved, they now hate. And the reason why certain believers cannot give up sin, because the sins that they are practicing are sins that they love and, ex- and enjoy. And because they love and enjoy those sins, they justify themselves They make excuses. They rationalize. They point the finger and say everybody else is doing it. Or they'll say it's not that bad.
3: Mm.
1: Or they'll participate with other so-called Christians who are practicing the same sins because misery loves company. Mm. And so nobody points the finger at anyone else. And they just go on their merry way. Mm -hmm. But when a person becomes a true believer, the sin that they once loved, they now hate. Right. So last week, or the last time we were together, we talked about the difference between religious people and people who are converted, who are truly saved. And there is a big difference. Religious people stop doing the things they love. Converted people stop doing the sins that they hate. And there's a big difference. Do I need to repeat that again? Repeat the second one again. Okay. I don't see we'll start with religious folks. The
2: sins of a love man, the sins of a love, <laughs>
1: <Okay. laughs> so they now a... right, so... hate. So once a believer, mm-hmm. once you become a believer, we become a believer. We hate the sins that we used to love. We used to love to drink. We used to love to party. We, loose, we, we used to love worldly things and being worldly people. We used to watch certain movies and go to certain places. We loved that stuff as sinners. We loved that. So when we became born again and converted, we have the song, the things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. The places I used to go, I don't go anymore. The friends I used to have, I don't have those friends anymore because I've been changed. Mm -hmm. So if a person has really been changed, but there's no change in their behavior, lifestyle, and activity, then they need to step back and ask themselves a question, have I really been born again? Have I really been changed? Because 2 Corinthians 5.17 says any man or person in Christ is a new creature a new creation. Mm. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So we used to sing a song, I looked at my hands. They look new. I looked at my feet. Salvation is not the external things. If you had a scar on your hand and you got saved, the scar remains. Salvation and being born again is a spiritual transformation. That takes place in the heart of an individual. That God's Holy Spirit comes to live inside of them and mm-hmm. convicting them of sin. And there is a transformation. In the, in the Greek, it's called metamorphosis. That mm-hmm. word transform in the Greek means metamorphosis. And most of you are familiar with the transition of a caterpillar becoming a butterfly, and the different stages of metamorphosis that they go through to become actually a brand new species, from a worm to a butterfly. So that same word transformation in the Greek, metamorphosis, is used to describe and to explain to us what conversion is and what being born again and being saved did. so that means that I'm no longer the old person that I used to be. My language has has changed. I'm not cursing. I'm not doing those old things as a practice. Does that make sense to you?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh yes. Because so religious even, people,
1: oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Dorothy. Now
0: I'm okay. saying, even though you know, you know, you've changed and you're 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 living
1: you now a godly
0: life, when you step out of line, because we sin every day, you should get a feeling or a nudge to say, hey, you know, it's not right. You'll feel it. <laughs> or, or, yeah, there's a sensation there that brings you back to that thought of, um, for you to check yourself, more or less.
1: So that's a very interesting statement that you made, Dorothy. <clears throat> that as true believers, we sin every day. Let's think about that. Hmm. Do we sin every day as believers? Mm -hmm. Do we sin once a week, once a month? Uh.
2: I don't know if you could put a number on it, but I know there's sin all around us.
0: Yeah, it could be your thought, <laughs> well, you're, your thought, your dream. Ron, deeds. you're
1: right about that, brother Ron. You're right about that. This, yeah. The presence of sin is all around us.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's on the TV. It's everywhere. I mean, you, you can't...
1: And the right. way this world, the world is
2: changing, it's... It... Yeah.
1: So we want to talk about that, okay? Hmm. That's... A little ahead, ahead in, in our lesson, Okay. <laughs> but we want to talk about if you are a believer, if you're right. a Christian, do you sin every day or do you sin once a week, only on a certain day of the week or once a month? We need to talk about that. <laughs> and we're going to get to that point. Okay. Are, okay. I'm glad you brought that up. That's mm. very important. Because the question is, if we are sinning every day, <laughs> what's the sense of living for God? Mm-hmm. If every morning we wake up and we're going to sin every day, no, then you know, just, you know, we just we just might as well just say, well, I'm a sinner. hmm <laughs> Okay, but well, we're going to clarify that. I just now, uh, ahead
2: one more thing: are all sins? You know, one man's sin may not be the other man's. Um,
0: all sins are equal. sin. I mean, you
2: know, <laughs> all
1: sins are. Those are good equal. questions. Are all sins the same and are all sins equal? That, those are excellent questions, and I'm glad you asked them. Man. We'll start with Ron first. Are all sins <laughs> the same? Well, the Bible gives us a moral law, a moral code Right. called the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments. Exodus mm-hmm. chapter 20. Thou shall not, thou shall not, thou shall not. So there are Ten Commandments. Yeah. Most of yeah. us are all familiar them. with them. Amen. That's right. And Ron said that there are over 600. Well, when the Jewish people and the rabbis mm-hmm. and the Pharisees got mm-hmm. finished with Moses' Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, by the time they got to the New Testament, mm-hmm. they had added many more sins of that, and it came to be something like, 630. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: So now we get to Dorothy's question. Are all sins sin? What was your question again? The same? Are
0: all sins equal? Oh, That's great. What all to know. sins
1: equal. So when we study sins from the Old Testament, there were sins, there were iniquities, and there were transgressions. When we study in the Old Testament Scriptures, there were sins, there were transgressions. A transgression is the breaking of God's law. And there were sins, iniquities, and transgressions. So, which one is the worst? Well, in God's eyesight, all sin, all unrighteousness is sin. But God described iniquities in the Bible, and the example that is given in the Old Testament is that when the children of Israel were worshiping idols, like Baal and Molech in the Old Testament, they would offer up their children as burnt offerings and sacrifices to these idol gods. And that was an iniquity, that was an abomination in the eyes and nostrils of God for them to offer up their children as burnt sacrifices to these idols.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: So if we want to talk about what sins are worse, the Bible uses the word abomination. And so there are certain sins that God calls abominable like homosexuality, God says that's abominable. God is not picking on people. See, we have to be very clear when we start calling out sins, because in our day and age, certain sins are acceptable, and certain sins are an abomination.
3: Hmm.
1: Well, what do you mean, George? Certain sins are acceptable, certain sins are abomination. Folks can fornicate and commit adultery, and people say, oh, that's not that bad.
0: But that's if they right. commit
1: some other sin, oh, that's terrible. Well, yep. all unrighteousness is sin, and all of those sins will cause any one of us who practice them to bust hell wide open.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So we don't pick and choose which sins are nice and which ones we enjoy. And No, no, no. The Bible says even a liar shall not tarry in the sight of God. So people are lying and gossiping and backbiting. All those Mm -hmm. are acceptable sins. Oh, we can gossip about other Christians and talk about stuff we don't even know what we're talking about. And he said and she said and gossiping and, and all. That's sin. And those who practice those sins are going to the same final destination. There's only one hell There's not purgatory or something in between and all that nonsense. There's only one place of the departed souls who are Mm. not saved, and that place is hell. And the Bible says that hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. God never prepared or created hell for man. And the only reason why man goes to hell is because he or she chooses to reject Christ's which is the only hope of salvation and repent of their sins. The only final destination for people like that is hell. And the Bible says that hell has enlarged itself and hell is never full. So Mm. as many folks who want to go there, it's room. Just like heaven is never filled, hell is never filled. Those are two places that have unlimited capacity. So all of this, big sin, little sin, all of that nonsense, one sin is worse than the other. No, 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 no. All unrighteousness is sin. And if it's not repented of that person who is practicing that sin, the Bible says in Revelation 21 and 8, they will have their part in the lake of fire that burneth in fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Wow. So we really have to get Christians educated about sin because we're playing too many games. Mm. You know, we overlook certain sins, but we we crucify other sins. And Mm. so then people who are practicing those sins... Say, all the church is against homosexuals. All the church is against people who could... No, 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 no. The church should be against any sin, any practice of any sin.
2: You're right. And nobody is but...
1: no better than no one else. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So there's nobody that sits up in any church that can think they're better than anyone else. Jesus said to the woman that was taken in adultery... You who are without sin, cast the first stone. So we have Christians throwing stones at each other. And they're guilty of the same sins. They're judging others, and they're doing the same. And that ought not to be in the house of God. So when a person falls into sin, they should have some room for repentance, some room to be restored back in proper fellowship with God and the church. Instead of kicked out of the church or ostracized or excommunicated. Mm -hmm. You don't belong to this church because you committed this crime or you committed this. That's not a Christian church. Who are we to judge one another? (laughs) I have no right to judge anyone else. The only judge we can judge is righteous judgment. And that's according to God's word. But for me to judge you, and you judge, no, 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 we don't do that. Love covers a multitude of sins and faults. Mm -hmm. Love covers sin. It doesn't expose it. So if you tell me something in secret, and I'm supposed to be a Christian, there should be some level of confidentiality there. But a lot of times I've seen Christians in the church expose certain things that they were doing in private to other Christians, and next thing you know, it's in the grapevine. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so now they don't expose anything if they're struggling with sin, struggling with pornography, struggling with masturbation. They, they share that with one Christian in the church, and next thing you know, everybody knows about it. Then they wind up leaving the church and feeling ostracized. Well, the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. It's not a cover up. But it covers, it doesn't expose. So if you tell me a secret that you're struggling with, then I need to pray for that and encourage you and give you hope that God can deliver you and set you free. Not listen and then tell somebody else. Yeah. Yep. So there's no big <clears throat> sins, a little sins, a greater sins, but, but Christians like to play that game. Because that comes from a sense of low self-worth and insecurity. When I begin to compare myself with someone else to make me feel good about myself. That is a sign of spiritual immaturity and low self-esteem. Because if I have to condescend and look down on other sins to make me feel good about myself, I'm in a bad situation. Mm. Mm -hmm. When Jesus looked at the multitude of the people, he didn't see them as animals. He didn't see them as a bunch of sinners. The Bible says he had compassion on them. And he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. He didn't call them a bunch of niggas or a bunch of honkies or a bunch of this or a bunch of that or a bunch of crazy (laughs) folks. Yeah. He didn't use that language. We have Christians using that language. Yeah. And they have no compassion. And they have forgotten once they were once purged of those same activities and behavior. Hmm. So we should never forget where God has brought us from. You know, we don't glory in our past sins. But there's nobody who came in the church that came in perfect. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: I don't know nobody. And if we're honest with ourselves, we all have past sins and skeletons in our closet that we should be ashamed of. So that should humble us. To have compassion for others who are struggling with habits, bad habits, sins, whatever they are. They should be able to come to us for godly counsel and for help and for prayer.
3: Mm.
1: Because if you can't come to the church for help, where can you go? Right. Yeah. If there's no mercy and forgiveness in church, no matter what you've done, no matter what crime, if you can't find it in church, where can you find it at in the world?
0: It won't be in the world, that's for sure. It sure won't.
1: And <laughs> in the world, once they label you, once of this, always of this. Incorrigible, mm-hmm. never can change. But we mm-hmm. should never have that in the church. Yeah. Because the Bible teaches us that the born again experience can change any kind of sinner. I don't care what they practiced. I don't care how horrific it was or how abominable it was. I've seen God change folks from every walk of life, mm. whether they commit adultery, fornication, homosexuality, lying, cheating, stealing. I've seen the transformation power of the Holy Spirit change all kinds of folks mm. and save them and call them to the ministry, and many of them are pastoring churches. Mm. So the marks of a believer, we talked about that. And Ron, you mentioned some of them. And we stopped on number three. A true believer will seek to be obedient to God's word. That's where we stopped in our last lesson.
2: Right. Seek to be obedient.
1: So when we become a believer, we have a new relationship with God's word. It's not just a book that sits on the coffee table. Collecting dust. When we become born again, the Word of God becomes alive to us. It becomes transformable to us. It becomes a mirror to us. It becomes a very special possession to us. The Word of God is not just another book, there's no book in the library like the Word of God. I've read thousands of books, but there is no book like the living Word of God. This book can transform your life. It can give you wisdom. It can give you counsel in every area of your life, whether it's marriage, going into business, relationships. Uh, It can give you help in every area of your life. This Bible, this book has been inspired of God. It's infallible. It's authoritative. There's no error in it. There's no contradiction. The same God that inspired men to write under Mm -hmm. the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is the same God that has preserved these Mm. 66 books 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. And they are authentic. and we can trust them with our decisions with our life raising our children we can trust these scriptures so the bible is not just another book and so we don't make a god out of the bible some christians make a god out of the bible the bible is not god jesus is the living word when i say make a god out of the bible um we respect the Bible. I was taught by one pastor, never put your Bible on the floor. Mm-hmm. It shows disrespect.
0: You don't write in your Bible. I've heard that too.
1: No, so don't write in your Bible. No, write in your Bible. Fill it with notes. <laughs> write in your Bible. <laughs> That's your rule of to heaven. The Bible is God's letter to us. Write in the Bible. But some, oh, no, I can't write in the Bible because the Bible is holy. Well, it's a book that can make you holy. So what you (coughs) write in the Bible is holy. So we don't want to make a a God out of the the book, the Bible. But we do want to reverence it. Right. (coughs) You know, and we want to hide it in our hearts, and we want to know where it is at all times. (coughs) When we wake up in the morning and our Bible is not, on our bedstand or somewhere close, the first question we should say is, where is my Bible? Some people go for days without reading their Bible. They, they know more about the TV God, which we don't have those today, but we used to say they know more about the TV God than their own Bible. So there are a lot of books out there, but there's no subject out there. That you should know better than the Bible. And there's a lot of subjects out there. Philosophy. All kinds of subjects out there. Politics. But if you know those genres and those subjects better than the Bible, and you call yourself a Christian, when you get to heaven, all those other books and Bibles are not going to be there. But the eternal Word of God will be there. And we will be judged accordingly. Any questions? No. No. Well, I have to blame you guys. You got me on a roll this morning. You asked for these questions. So all of this that I'm sure is not in my notes. Yeah. You know, just coming from the Lord, because I know people need to have those answers
3: mm-hmm.
1: to those mm-hmm. questions that you asked, and they're very, very important. Mm-hmm. So we stopped at number three. A true believer seeks to be obedient to God's word, <clears throat> and when a believer becomes a Christian or saved, they have a desire for God's Word. The Bible tells us in First Peter chapter 2, verse 2, you can take a look at that. 1 Peter 2, 2. The Scripture says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that they may grow thereby. So when we become a Christian, we desire to feed on the milk of the Word, the meat of the word. The word is either milk or meat. Those are spiritual terms. We talk about food, drink, milk, and meat. We should have a desire for the word of God. If a person is a believer and they never want to read the Bible, never study the Bible, never have time for the Bible, love television, movies more than the Bible, then I would begin to question. And ask them to examine themselves. Because if you are a true Christian, you're going to want to be fed. Desire to be fed. Mm -hmm. When we're true believers, we love the word. We love the Bible. All right, we're going to move on to new material now. Number four, a new believer will have a greater sense of their sinfulness and a deep need for Jesus Christ. A true believer will have a greater sense of their sinfulness and a deep need for Jesus Christ. When a person becomes born again, he or she will begin to notice the need for improvement. They will say, I'm striving for perfection. I haven't arrived. That's what Paul said. I'm not perfect. I'm striving, says that over in Philippians 4. So we should be striving for, for, for perfection, and that's a process. All of our lives, we want to improve. We all need improvements mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. We should never settle for the status quo. We should never become complacent. We should never bottom out and plateau and say, I'm saved and I'm going to heaven anyway and I don't have to improve. No, 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 no. That's not the true attitude of a true believer. A true believer wants to become more and more like Jesus Christ every day in their word, their talk, their speech, and their behavior. so there's always room for improvement in our lives. And the closer we get to the light, the more we begin to understand God's holiness, And the short comes in our life. The closer we get to the light, the more we begin to understand God's holiness and how far short we fall. So as we study the Bible, the Bible in James says the Bible is a mirror. And we are looking into the mirror. And the mirror is reflecting our true character, who we really are. And when we read the Bible and we come up short by looking in the mirror of the Word and seeing areas of our life that need improvement, we just don't chuck it and say, I'm not perfect. (laughs) No, we're going to work on that area. We're going to develop discipline in that area. Mm. We're going to make sure that we overcome that area, that we are whatever practicing that is not pleasing in God's sight. Because we are a testimony, we are a witness to our family and our friends and unbelievers, because they're looking at us because we call ourselves a Christian. And so they're looking and they can see areas in our lives, blind spots, things that we may not even be aware of. And they're looking at us and they're looking for a change. And so if we don't admit that we need improvement or that we have a problem, then God can never solve it. That's why the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, if we acknowledge our sin, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So every believer is on the path of improvement. And I don't care how many years you've been saved, or I've been saved. And I've accepted Christ when I was 15. I'm 68 now. It doesn't matter how many years you've been saved. It's what you're doing today for Christ. That's the only thing that's going to last. There are some Christians who got saved 20 years ago and haven't grown an inch. They're still doing the same things they used to do, talking the same way, going to the same places. Being with the same people, no change. And the Bible calls that a state of carnality. And we'll talk more about that as we go deeper into our lesson. Any questions about anything that I shared so far? No. So whenever we see an error in our life as a believer that's not pleasing to God, we should immediately apply the blood of Jesus to it. Immediately. Not tolerate it. Immediately. Mm -hmm. Call it what it is. Acknowledge it. Put it under the blood so that we can receive forgiveness. Because we know that there is no forgiveness without the shedding of Jesus' blood on the cross. And Mm -hmm. once we ask for that forgiveness of that particular sin, the Bible tells us that God removes that iniquity and remembers our sin no more. Micah says God throws it into the sea, cast it. Micah 7.19. All of our sins are cast into the depths of the sea. Micah 7.19. So God doesn't remember our sin once we repent and turn from it. And we should forget it. And not always coming to God. Oh God, forgive me what I did 10 years ago, okay, once you ask for forgiveness and receive forgiveness, God doesn't even remember it anymore, so why are you bringing it back up? And then if you're around people who are always reminding you of your past sins, you need to stay away from those people. Because they're not helping you.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Amen. Amen,
2: yeah.
1: So Romans chapter 7, verse 24, Paul, being an apostle, first being a Christian, a disciple, he said these words in Romans 7, 24. He said, O wretched man am I, who shall deliver me from this body of sin? The more we get to the light of God's word, the more it illuminates whatever we're doing wrong. But as long as we stay in the dark, then we're going to stay in ignorance and going to stay in sin. And so some Christians say, I'm not going to read the Bible because if I read the Bible, then I have to become accountable because then I know this is wrong. And I know, So I just won't even read the Bible. What? <laughs> you want to read the Bible. You want to be accountable. You want to get those sins repented of and under the blood because your eternal destiny depends on it. Where are you going to spend eternity? Mm-mm. So, you know, I just encourage folks to study. Now, I don't know. I'll just ask a general question. Um, and I'm going to ask this to both of you. Um, you've been to a lot of churches. Um, how many times have you heard the pastor preach about hell? A whole Not sermon too on, often. on hell.
0: Not too often.
1: How many times no, that- have you heard pastors speak? about the sins that will cause you to lose your soul? Not too often. No. (laughs) So there's nothing wrong with a feel-good message. Mm Mm-hmm. That's, we have, there's a place for feel-good messages, and make people feel good about themselves and messages that affirm people and build people up and edify people up and remind them who they are in Christ, all that's wonderful.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. I you know, always thought, thought that, that.
1: Go ahead, Dorothy. What did no, you say? No, I
0: always it? thought that they should bring everything to the table.
1: What do you mean, you know, everything <laughs> to the table?
0: Talking about hell and, and all that <laughs> there is about it. I mean.
1: Yeah, but the members of the church don't want everything on the table.
0: I know. And that's they it's sad. They don't want
1: the pastor to talk about those things.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But you know what? <laughs> it's reality.
1: It's reality. It,
0: and, and for what we're dealing with in this world, it should be brought forth so that we are better educated to make the change.
1: And if the give. pastor or the teacher doesn't warn the people of the dangers of whatever they're doing wrong mm-hmm. and making them feel good every Sunday, then that preacher is going to have to stand in front of God and give an account. See? Yeah. Because we're supposed to preach the whole counsel of God. Mm-hmm. Not just messages that make us feel good about ourselves,,
3: mm-hmm. yeah, so, so if I come sure. to a
1: service and they have a hundred people sitting there or ten people or twenty thousand, there's somebody in there practicing some things they ought not to be practiced, and mm-hmm. that may be their only opportunity to get things right, right with God,, mm-hmm.
0: yeah,. And they may even get it confused to say, Well, he's not even addressing it, so I guess it's okay, or yeah, it's
1: okay, it doesn't matter, you know, yeah, it's not important, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. And
1: it's sad. So, there are a lot of Christians I'm not condemning, nobody, but there are Christians who love to drink. Mm-hmm. Well, the Bible says it's not a sin to drink, but it's a sin to get drunk.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So there are a lot of sipping saints.
0: After all, Jesus turned the water into wine. Yes, he did. You know?
1: But the Bible says it's a sin to be drunk, and if a person is depending on alcohol Mm -hmm. to get them ready for work or to give them courage to to, to talk to other folks, if they're depending on any substance, whether it's alcohol or any of that, Mm -hmm. to feel self-confident, to feel better about themselves, to feel whatever. They depended on that. They're not depending on Jesus. Right. And now that becomes a weight. So, you know, we're not picking on different sins. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And God loves every sinner. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't love the sin that they practice. And we need to be able to differentiate between the person and what they do and we see that in Romans chapter 7 Paul talks about that let's go to Romans chapter 7 and the apostle Paul is talking about the sin nature that still exists in the life of the believer Mm -hmm. and uh, our time is running out so I'm going to read this and give some explanations amen until next time chapter 7 verse 14 This is Paul, the apostle, speaking to the church at Rome, speaking to Christians. And in verse 14, chapter 7, he says these words. For we know that the law is spiritual, and I am carnal soul under sin. So Paul said, even though I'm a believer, I still have a carnal nature. Mm -hmm. What does carnal mean? Carnality. It means fleshly. It means being controlled or governed by your lower nature, the flesh. Mm-hmm. Control by your emotions. Controlled by your feelings. control by the flesh. Dominated by the flesh. That's a sign of spiritual immaturity. So the Apostle Paul had to grow up spiritually, just like everybody else does, who are believers. Paul said, when I became a spiritual man, I put away childless things. That's spiritual growth. Then he says in verse 15, for that which I do, I allow not. For that which I would, I do not. But what I hate, to do I do. It. So he's talking about his lower nature some activity, some word, thought, and deed that he's still dealing with here as a believer. Mm. So verse 16. If then I do that which I would not. So now Paul will say, I'm doing something that I know is wrong and I shouldn't be doing it, but I'm doing it anyway. He says, in verse 16, he says, I consent to unto the law that is good. So there's two laws in operating. The laws of the flesh and the laws Mm -hmm. of the spirit. Paul talks about this. Mm -hmm. Let me continue reading. Verse 17. But then, it is no more I that do it, notice, but sin that dwelleth in me. Mm -hmm. So Paul is saying, I in Christ, the new creature, The new man in Christ is not doing these things, but the old man, the sin nature that still dwells within me as a believer. So that means what Paul is saying to us is that when we become believers, we have two natures. We have the new nature and the old nature. The Bible calls that the new man and the old man. Put off the old man, put on the new man. Mm -hmm. So there is an internal conflict in the life of every believer, no matter how long they've been saved. Because we still live in this human body, the flesh. So the Bible teaches us that the spiritual birth is a spiritual birth. Our spirit becomes brand new. Our soul is being saved. That That is called the process of sanctification the second work of grace. Our soul is being saved. That's a process called sanctification. And the last work of grace is called glorification. That's when Jesus comes and we receive our glorified body, like the body He had when He rose from the grave. Glorified body. Once we get the glorified body, we have no more sin nature No more flesh. We are completely perfect. We're just like Christ. The Bible says when we see him, we shall be just like him because we will see him as he is. That's the last stage of grace, glorification. So we we have justification, that's salvation. We have sanctification, that's a process of spiritual growth. Taking off the old man, putting on the new man. And the last stage is glorification. When we receive our new bodies, when Jesus comes back for the church in the imminent future. Any questions?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. So Paul says, it's the sin that dwells in me. It ain't me. It's not the new man in Christ. It's not the hidden man of the heart. The new man It's the sin nature. So he, he was able to distinguish the sin that he committed from who he was. And that's very important because we're not what we do. We're not what we do. So if you commit an act, an act as a believer, that's not who you are. Hmm. Does that make sense to you?
0: It's It's not who you are. <laughs> It's not to know who you are. It's the
1: old man. See, the old nature. The old nature. See. So once we become a Christian, the Bible calls us saints, Mm. not sinners. You can't be both at the same time. Right. The Bible is antithetical. It's opposites. It's light, darkness. Good and evil, right and wrong, sinner, saint, antithetical, opposites. You can't be both. You can't be right and wrong at the same time. You can't be light and darkness at the same time. You can't be a sinner at the same time. Very simple. But what happens a lot of times is that there are people who call themselves teachers. that get everything all mixed up. Incronized. All mixed up, amalgamated, all mixed up together. And put it in one and put it in one one bucket. No, no, no. Either we're a sinner or we're a saint. We can't be both. mm mm-hmm. hey, Go ahead, mm-hmm. Dorothy.
0: I was gonna say it's for us to decide because God still gives us the free will.
1: Amen. We still have a free will. So we can choose to sin. Or we can choose not to sin. And Paul said right over here in chapter 6, sin no longer has dominion over us. Mm -hmm. So when a believer commits a sin, they choose to do that. Whether in ignorance or deliberately. And if they're doing it ignorantly, Paul said, God had mercy on me because I did it ignorantly, I didn't know any better. God had mercy on me and then found me faithful and put me in the ministry. So if there's some sin that a a Christian is committing and they don't know, or they're not sensitive to the witness of the Holy Spirit in their heart, and I was one of those kind of sinners, I gave you my testimony, I was practicing fornication and a Christian brother explained to me what I was doing was wrong. And the light came on. (laughs) Whoa, oh, wretched sinner am I. Mm. I thought I was doing pretty good before the light turned on. Mm. But when the light turned on and showed me who I really was, okay, I got a problem now, I gotta deal with this. And I told my girlfriend, no more sex, that's it. That's a sin against God. That'll cause me to lose my soul. so in verse 18 and we're going to close on this because our time is out verse 18 says for I know that in me this is Paul speaking that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing the flesh profiteth nothing there's a lot of glorified flesh and God is not impressed with it the flesh, the flesh profited nothing. It is rebellious against God. It will not conform to the ways of God, the flesh. The flesh that we live in, these bodies. Mm-hmm. So that's why Paul said, I beat and buffet my body, like a runner and an athlete. I beat it into submission. I deny it. It's craving for all kinds of things, even though we're saved. The Bible, the body is craving. For all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Food, all kinds of stuff. Sex, anything. It's craving. And the more I feed it, the stronger it gets. And the more I deny it, the weaker it gets. And when I deny it, that's called crucifying the flesh.
3: Right. All right. This well this is self-control. that's mm-hmm. self
1: control. That's self control. And that's mm-hmm. a that's a fruit oh, of the spirit, the spirit. Yeah. in Galatians five twenty two. Discipline, self control. Mm-hmm. temperance and mm-hmm. every Christian has it but the reason why it's so weak is because they're not practicing and they're not using it they're not developing self, self-control they just do whatever their body tells them to eat whatever their mm-hmm. body tells them to drink whatever their body tells them to do and they live undisciplined lives and they become defeated Christians and that's sad and that's not the best for God's children For I know that in me, that is, my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will, that's the new man, that's the new man in us, the born-again man in us. He wills, he desires to do what's right. The will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil that I would not, that I do, that evil is the old Adamic nature that's still in Paul's life as a believer. Okay, the old man.
3: Mm.
1: And so our time is out. Lord willing, the next time we gather together, we'll pick up on this. There's so much here that I want to share. Yeah, but our time. Has slipped away. Okay. Any questions before I let you go, beloved?
0: No, it's a good lesson. I was looking forward to the study today. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. And I always look to forward to the study of light.
1: Yes. Amen.
0: So it's, it's a blessing.
1: Um, is there one thing that you all can take away from our lesson today? Application, what we can take away from our lesson, one thing that might have stood out to you a little bit more than others that you can share?
2: Well, being born again leads to being a Christian, which leads to salvation and what about? Okay,
1: yeah, that's a good point you're making, uh, Ron. Let me help you with that.
2: Yeah, I was wrong, When right? I gave
1: all those terms, say born again, converted, Christian,
0: believer, mm-hmm.
1: saint, those are not steps in a progression. They're, see, some believers think you become born again, then you become a saint. Then you become converted. No, that's those are all synonyms. Okay. All of those terms mean the same. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's very right. important. I'm glad you mentioned that, Ron, because people think first get born again, then get converted, then get truly saved,
3: mm-hmm.
1: You know, then get truly sanctified, then truly... No, 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 no. You either save or you're not. But those are the terms that believers or Christians in the community use. And sometimes they need to be explained that they're all synonyms
2: Mm. according
1: to the Bible. Gotcha. Thank you, Ron. That was excellent. Dorothy, anything you want to take away from our
0: lesson? No, the way you broke down the salvation um, and that. You know salvation comes through christ alone spiritual oh.
3: transformation
0: and um and because of that you know you live according to god's word Amen. and in knowing that um and even when it comes to salvation you know that being closer to god um you will be always connected to god that's it, there's no separation
1: amen and
0: that's and good. we are to strive towards that that's and right. you know the the, mm-hmm. the human part of us the fleshly part of us with, with sin and and dealing with that along with the spiritual the the the, the i guess um our, our, the spirit our, within right it's about nature that's right. right our
1: sin nature and our spiritual nature mm-hmm. are always in conflict
0: continue right. but we ought to strive strive to to do god's you know will to stay in his will and study his word
1: and that's feeding our spiritual nature
0: right to become Mm
1: -hmm. more strong and more mature and Mm -hmm. we're starving our sin nature right by refusing
0: to give, allow it Mm -hmm. to
1: practice whatever we shouldn't be practicing right Denying and was, it, Denying yeah. ourselves. Right.
0: Excellent. Yeah. No, good Dorothy,
1: take- would, yes, Dorothy, would you close us in prayer if you would? Be so kind.
0: Okay. Father God, we thank you for your love for us. Father God, we thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. We pray, God, that you will bless George and his family, Lord. And we're so grateful and thankful to him. For bringing us your word and giving us a better understanding of, you know, the study that we received today. Mm -hmm. We ask God that you just continue to watch over us, Lord, and let us use what we've learned in our daily walk with you, God. We thank you and um, we're just so grateful for all that you provide for us. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: God bless your beautiful Mm. prayer. Go with God and he will go with you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Plus, okay.